2: The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
4: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, which means I am Ken Knapsack.
0: And it means I am Joseph Scrimshaw. And it also means that this is one of our News and Q's episodes. Q's stands for questions. News stands for news. Things that are new. How are you, Ken? <laughs> that that's a loaded question,
4: sir. That's a loaded question. No, I'm doing I'm doing okay. I always say good adjacent. Yeah, uh, because, you know, I feel that ignore, igno- acknowledges uh, the bigger picture of the world and the bigger problems that you might be facing, your friends, your neighbors might be facing. But also, it, it acknowledges that I like to look for the little joys every day.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really good. Have I told you about uh, rewatching Sound of Music, which I haven't seen hadn't seen in like a thousand years? the
4: hills of uh, you have not (laughs) uh
0: there's so yeah anyway uh i was gonna go on about sound of music this is not our sound of music breakdown episode uh but there's a part where uh the oldest daughter liesel is upset uh for reasons and somebody asks her how are you and she says just fair (laughs) (laughs) and i thought that's perfect that's gonna be my answer to how are you liesel's just fair I love it. I love it. Just fair. Fair to middle
4: in all those terms. But it's good good to remind yourself, again, every day, find the small joys. Today already, a good piece of toast. That's a good start to my day. A good piece of toast. I can take that
0: and build from there. Yeah, my coffee was extra delicious this morning. Nice.
4: Nice. Um, We are going to... um, Get into uh, news and cues, like Joseph said, before we do that, uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash ForceCenter. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. It's kind of like we're buying you your first round at the book bar. <laughs>
0: oh no no i really want people to do this and then yeah man i want to go drink a book Uh,
4: yes i also want to open up a book bar you know there's book coffee shops but a book bar oh
0: god yeah oh but discussion rooms in the back and oh geez okay this is a whole fantasy thing for me now i'm more than just fair now i'm so excited thinking of a book bar
4: Uh, a book bar yeah that'd be a great life adventure or a star wars adventure or both um (laughs) Hey, man. How are you? And what's life been like? What adventures have you been on this week? Any beautiful gardens that you've hung out in?
0: I have not hung out in any beautiful gardens, but, you know, we had, of course, uh, Halloween. uh, And Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of the spooky holiday. My wife, uh, Sarah, has really gone out of her way to make sure that we celebrate Halloween. She checked in with me about seven times uh, on Halloween, like, is your Halloween going okay? Uh, (laughs) Which it did. (laughs) We had a nice walk around our neighborhood, uh, which we walked around a couple times to see the Halloween decorations up. But we walked around right about dusk, you know, with masks, everything. It was nice to, to see that everything that we saw was safe. Um, there were some really uh, great Halloween displays and then like uh, pictures or actually like skeletons. And then they would have like captions saying, sorry, no candy this year, but enjoy me. Right. <laughs> the skeletons. So There's some stuff that was uh, that was just displays. Uh, there are some extremely creative candy delivery systems. Uh, there's this one house. It's kind of it looks like it should be in a forest. It's kind of got a little turret. It's almost like a little it's a normal sized house, but it's got a little mini castle vibe. And oh, they yeah. had um, set up their railing. So a zombie's head was pinned to the end of the railing and the zombie's yeah. mouth was open and then they could run the candy down. So it fell out of the zombie's mouth. Oh, wow we just saw the people who lived there, like, out there testing their zombie's mouth uh, to make sure it would work for kids. And uh, we saw a couple kids uh, uh, with parents all masked up, dressed up, and, you know, getting candy from a distance. So it was nice to see that nobody was taking huge risks. There weren't many people out, uh, but they were still trying to capture that spirit of Halloween and that community. Uh, we saw these three kids run by, and one was an astronaut. one was it a witch? And then one kid just had a crossbow.
4: He's getting ready for the week. He wasn't. That wasn't Halloween. He was training for the week that's coming. He was
0: training. Yeah, he he wasn't like a character from Walking Dead. He had no other like special clothes. He just had modern child clothes and then a toy crossbow. Important that it's a toy crossbow. Uh, That cracked me up. And there was just a huge, amazing display that uh, some neighbors not too far from us had, and and we saw them walking out. And again, like no candy, just putting out the display and and saying hello to people from a distance. Uh, You know. An adult witch with a mask, uh, Mm -hmm. and we're like, "Hey, we this is great, absolutely beautiful." That put that uh, display up. She was like, "I just wanted something to be normal this year." Yeah, it's so great. She's like, "I think this is normal." Your yard yard full of uh, spiders with glowing red eyes and massive, (laughs) frightening (laughs) pumpkin and you know uh, skeletons with uh, just spears driven through their chests. This is a beautiful version of
4: normal. I like that normal.
0: Yeah, good. So that's a good life adventure of just enjoying Halloween and, and getting that sense of uh of community and that sense of spirit of like things aren't normal, but let's still try to find fun and joy.
4: Yeah, again, small joys, small joys. So it might be a crackle candy bar in a in a in a gift bag that you get from a distance, but it's a small <laughs> a distant crackle. <laughs> yes. From a distance. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then uh, Star Wars Adventure, I had bought a couple figures and I saved them up. I finished writing something right before Halloween that I was uh, really wanted to finish during the month of November. Uh, a longer writing project that I really had to force myself to, to work hard, stay up late, get up early kind of thing to finish it. And I did. So then I let myself open up uh, the last couple of figures I bought, which is uh, including the uh, Remnant Stormtrooper from Mandalorian, the Dirty Stormtrooper. And uh, from back in the day, the uh, hologram Obi Wan Kenobi. So I was very happy to add some new friends to my collection. Ah, that yeah, well, yeah, friends and Star Wars friends, Even <laughs> real life better. friends and friends, small plastic friends,
4: small plastic friends, small plastic friends. That's that's uh that needs to be, that's some kind of figure show. Is that out there?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, look for us to stream from the book bar with our new action figure show, <laughs> small plastic <laughs> friends.
4: We're creating a lot of. New projects.
0: Hey, this is practically a business meeting. This is great.
4: It really is. Oh, and everyone's here listening.
0: That's How cool. about yourself? What were your life and Star Wars adventures?
4: Uh, you know, I, I, uh, Halloween is is not one of my favorite holidays, but I am uh, with someone who that is her favorite holiday, so uh, we do what we can to to make it the best. And uh, we had a fire pit. It was a what is a new moon, a blue moon, a full moon, a an <laughs> IPA ale. I don't know what was going on out there, but Great stuff out here. I uh, could see, I uh, could see the the moon in the clouds. And so we had a nice little fire pit out there. And then we watched uh, one of our favorite shows, uh, ghost adventures, you know, uh, we, we love bros chasing ghosts, but this one was uh, at the tiger King uh, exotic animal park. <laughs> uh, they did that. This is recent. They shot it during the lockdown. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I have not seen the Netflix series, uh, but, uh, grace has and she don't also listen to the podcast she's a true crime aficionado so it was like all of her worlds coming together halloween ghost adventures tiger king and uh, a nice uh, a nice uh, a nice night uh it, it indoors celebrating halloween safely so uh, we made it work and that's all we can all do is make things work
0: yeah she got to see some true ghost crime with tigers
4: and and s'mores with some vegan <laughs> marshmallows. It was it was a it was a good night. It was a good night. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah.
0: Anything Star Wars outside? It's always weird uh, lately to talk about any Star Wars adventures when you know we're recording a lot. And new shows uh, like Mandalorian are coming out. But uh, any other moments that are not directly related to us recording in the podcast that you had? <laughs> well,
4: uh, yes, but it's probably going to be related to something we eventually record. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, you and I uh, got copies. I don't know if yours came. We haven't even talked about it off air, but I've, I finally got the Papa Hidalgo uh, fascinating facts book came to my mailbox.
0: Ooh, yeah. Uh, then mine should be arriving today because I, I ordered them on the same day. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So I got and and I'll tell you what, it's
4: we're going to go through it. And there's a lot of stuff that's already made headlines that we even talked about. Um, but there's a lot of just fun stuff in here. And some of it you've heard, some of it you haven't heard in a while. And some of it is brand new. And also, there's cool little timelines. It's uh, like Anakin Skywalker's timeline, and I just like that kind of stuff to like lay it down on a map and then see. Oh, he was 45 when he looked 70. All right, uh, <laughs> people age a little different in Star Wars Land. Uh, so it was, anyways. It was it was a lot of fun at read. In fact, um, I didn't intend to to read every page. I didn't comprehend every page, but I read every page, and it's that, that it's that kind of quick read, you know. And yeah, which is how. It, so hats off to to pablo uh he uh, you know he's, a, he's an interesting character on these parts but you know he, he loves his stuff and he knows his stuff and it's a, and it's a great little book uh and i can't wait for you to get it and we can exchange uh, notes on it
0: there yeah no i am looking forward to that and that sounds like the right kind of read for me right now because it's just so busy and, and i appreciate all the great star wars content that's coming out but something that's just like uh that a little shorter in a just little tidbits of information to really fire your imagination. That sounds great.
4: Yeah, it's it's and and uh and it's a it's a pint-sized book. It's uh it fits in uh, in one hand very easily, and I like that too. So,
0: all right, uh, one hand book, other hand beer. I'm ready to go.
4: I'm ready for the force Center Presents Book Bar. <laughs> it's gonna be Book Bar by by FC. That's gonna be like our Vegas lounge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i can't wait until our fashion line comes out then
4: <laughs> we need a brian ward poster stat <laughs> uh, oh boy oh dengar reading a book and drinking a beer that's what we need
0: that's what we need yeah, it'll um, it'll happen in mandalorian eventually might be season 10 but dengar reads it, a book will happen in the mandalorian it will uh it will indeed
4: so we're going to go into Star Wars news right now. And I, you know, not a lot. I think a lot of focus was on Mandalorian uh, as it should be in chapter nine. We did our, our big uh, discussion and, and, and breakdown and reaction review all those buzzwords that w- you want to use. But really it, it was a long form discussion that we had a blast, um, you know, and uh, it's so funny because you and I, for the first time ever came down on uh, so, so-called opposite sides on, on one particular sh- issue of the show and uh everyone even in our discord reached out and was just like I love how you guys talked about it.
3: Oh good. And,
4: uh, yeah, handled it. And uh in our in our discord our, which is attached to our Patreon page if you want to join the Force Center Patreon page and get into the discord it's it's quite frankly one of the best kind of communities for Star Wars fans and 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 all all of our listeners, you know, it, it it's varied and uh some of the reactions or what people will react to and uh, to see the discussion there was 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 kind of fun uh for me to monitor all, all for the week And when i say monitor i just swing through and be like cool no one's killing each other because no one's going to do that here in force <laughs> uh, big disagreements so that was kind of the dominant news headline was mando 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 which Joseph leads into this last minute addition to our news rundown mando mondays yeah we've been doing this uh starwars.com they release some new mando stuff every monday morning we're going to just kind of scroll through it you know you can get a Uh, Build-A-Bear Mandalorian (laughs) uh, Build-A-Bear Mandalorian exclusive pram which I want it's a plush Baby Yoda and a plush pram man I need that yeah Uh, good
0: that's a, that's real good. I like any of the, the baby Yoda stuff that comes with the pram. This bear is amazing, uh, partially because in the image, he's got his little paw up as if he's saying hello. And then the pulse rifle in the other paw, which is like, yeah, we can be friends or there's a pulse rifle. Take your choice, hello. says Mando Bear.
3: I will
4: disintegrate you. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: that's sad. That. Uh, G-
4: Galaxy Heroes is a little uh, game I don't uh, really play right now, but uh, I know a lot of people do. And uh, Quill has been added to that. And later on, they're going to add IG-11, Mandalorian, Grief Karga and Cara Dune in the playable uh, heroes uh, in the fan favorite strategy game. Uh, I know... Uh, uh, it looks good. The quill looks good, man. I, and I like, I like that. It, it it means something to me when characters we get to meet, Joseph, are suddenly now in other things like video games because it's just kind of nice. Well, they're definitely part of the Star Wars universe for me. Man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a part of the history of Star Wars and one of the things that makes it not unique, but but really Star Wars is the characters. We meet them on the screen. We like them. They're in a story, but then they live on and All sorts of weird ways, everything from a plush bear to, you know, a little strategy game on your phone. And it's cool to see these new characters from The Mandalorian uh, kind of take that heritage of Star Wars characters of living on in lots of different ways.
4: Love that. And and living on in the figures, which brings us to, like, your favorite figure. Talk it. this is great. Yeah,
0: this is so great because uh, my finger has been uh, hovering over the buy button on mm. the uh, vintage Mandalorian figure that they've had out, the three and three quarter, which is my favorite uh, but they've had him uh, in the armor that he only has for the first couple chapters rather than this silver armor that he spends most of the series in. So I am thrilled that they've got this new uh, vintage mando that has that he's in the silver armor so I cannot wait to pick him up. he makes me so happy just looking at him and in all the Mando action figures, I love Star Wars action figures obviously. Uh, but that this Kenner, this vintage look, the retro look, anything that connects it back to uh, the yeah. action figures that uh, Favreau and Feloni played with, and a lot of the other people working on the show uh, that inspired this, it, it, there's this great connection, uh, full circle that I love. So I'm so excited uh, to smash that buy button on this action figure. It's hard to turn away from that packaging.
4: It's just so weird. It I mean, it, it just strikes something deep inside the soul. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, I am seven again. Please, please give it to me. Please, I want to be seven forever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and just such a cool figure. And and I've got uh, my Black Series that's Mm -hmm. uh, sitting on my coffee table. And I took my Baby Yoda Black Series out of the package. So Mando's holding him now. Uh, So I get to look at that Mando all the time. And I want this one. So I'm excited for it.
4: That's great. There is also the mandalorian nerf gun which is uh, fun i actually have a couple of those nerf guns over the over the years i don't do anything with them they're in a garage right now waiting to be shot but uh they're fun um and then the final big one here ah man well we got the we got a baby yoda pin a child pin that is a 3d pin that you can get as well um but the, i think the, the big one here uh also by price tag is the hot toys one fourth scale mandalorian figure which it comes with The child, which has that jacket and the collar, and it's all real because that's what they do there, Sideshow and uh, Hot Toys. It's got the satchel to put the Baby Yoda in. Man, yeah, I wish I had the space, the the money, and um, the ability just to uh, commit to something this big. But...
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had the physical and emotional space in my life for these toys.
4: (laughs) So yeah yeah there you go there you go that is uh the mando monday yeah uh, it's, been, it's been it's fun to see a you know a new a new collection of things you just can't commit uh your allowance money to buy every week but it's fun
0: yeah yeah no and i was wondering how they're gonna do it it makes sense they did the whole you know video with a lot of the actors and creators from the show last week and then this is great to just have this slow slow drip every monday i'm excited for that
4: yeah they also released those Mandalorian uh, character posters and, and Cobb Vanth and everything. And that that, that was cool, too. Uh, adding uh, great shots, too. Like, who doesn't like a good backdrop of Banthas on your computer? Yeah, yeah. Suggest checking that out. And some of the uh, main stories that we're looking at right now. Uh, meet the baddies. High Republic villains revealed. We already knew about the Nile. Uh, spelled N-I-H-I-L. And they also got a reference in the new uh, Star Wars mainline, which Charles Soule's writing. There is a Tarkin talks about them, uh, which is uh, the connections to the High Republic. And uh, Luke goes to a temple that was uh, probably we're going to learn more about in the High Republic. So that stuff's starting to emerge. We already knew it, but now we get a little bit more details. Over at StarWars.com, Dan Brooks sitting down with Lucasfilm Publishing Creative Director Michael Sigling, and uh, Michael says the team, which included uh, the publishing side, the story group, the authors, everyone who sat and, and, and really has been working on High Republic for years now, asked the question, what scares the Jedi? And they wanted it to be something new. Joseph, from a distance, what do you think scares the Jedi?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a quote that they've uh, thrown around for a while, and uh, I really wanted it to be that the Jedi were scared not only by someone who represented some level of physical threat and was hard to maybe physically defeat, but more importantly, the Jedi would be scared by something that attacks their philosophy or something that their philosophy of, uh, you know, how they go about protecting a peace and justice It it is challenging for them on a philosophical level to deal with the villains has always been what I want that to mean of what scares the Jedi, not like, oh, no, (laughs) they're too big and it takes too much energy to throw them over like, yeah, that's a part of it. But the Mm -hmm. what is philosophically frightening about the villains i've been wondering about and hoping that that's the direction they're going to take since i first heard this quote of what scares the jedi which i think was in the big first reveal because i remember mm. we did a breakdown yeah. with alex and molly of star wars explained on right. that first big reveal and i remember uh, us all talking about that of what scares the jedi so this is so great to get just a little bit more information about the nile and the total reveal of this other villain so we can start diving into yes to me it does seem like it's philosophical reasons as well as physical, practical reasons that the Jedi would be scared of these foes.
4: I like that. Well, let's take a dive. First up here are the Drenjir. Is what I'm saying. I'm sure in Star Wars it will be different than what you think uh, and then change later on. Uh, the Drenjir, D-R-E-N-G-I-R. How, how would you say that, Joseph? Drenjir. All right. We're, we're in the same boat there. All right. So as the Jedi struggle to deal with the aftermath of the Great Disaster, which we know kind of launches this entire series of stories, a new creeping terror rises from the ground beneath their feet. The Dren- Dren- uh, Drenjir are sentient plant life who are looking to reap a terrible harvest across the galactic <laughs> frontier. This and then design they got the design. It uh, it looks like you know you need Monster Squad to go get it. It is. Uh, it's something different. What do you think about this? This is a monster, but also a plant life. A lot, lot going on, and it, and it, and I didn't write down here, but it directly affects the fate of, of a High Republic, uh, a High Jedi Master, High Council member.
0: Yeah, so being tied to it in some way. I, I love this. This is so great uh, from a lot of different perspectives. Uh, sounds like uh, from the article, Kevin Scott was uh, one of the main architects of the of the uh of, uh, of pushing them into prominence here in the High Republic with the, all the other storytellers. Um, I really like them because I think Star Wars always has to have that uh, new and old and it, it's uh, got to continue to kind of pull from the different uh, other genres uh, that have been out there for more pop culture, bizarre storytelling. And the plant life is kind of perfect for Star Wars because Star Wars is so much uh, about the organic Uh, so it's kind of perfect for Star Wars, but it's also kind of new to Star Wars, but it's also kind of old, uh, Kevin Scott in particular being a big, uh, Doctor Who fan. There's a Doctor Who monster, uh, called the Crinoid, which is, you know, out of control plant life, which itself was a riff on the, the British horror story, uh, book and movie Day of the Triffids, uh, this kind of connects to, in my mind, to Poison Ivy stuff from, Mm -hmm. Batman stories you know it's sometimes those plants are sentient it's mostly her advocating that plant life deserves you know the same level of respect that's a that's a general theme that pops up in lots of different storytelling of you know what if somebody believed that plant life is being looked down upon by other kinds of sentient beings so it's pulling from this great history from all sorts of different sources and putting this star Wars spin on it. So I really love it. It's also got some connections to uh cosmic horror, Cthulhu Lovecraft kind of mm. uh, elements of monsters that scare us because they work so differently than us. You know, we're always scared of things that we can't quite understand. And if, you know, these monsters aren't just like, Hi, I'm this, these plants and these tentacles (laughs) and these uh, vines. uh, And that's what I am. But if it's more like, is it a connected species? Then they can constantly change, mutate their form. And, you know, you're not dealing with, uh, this is uh, Ted, (laughs) the drencher. And here's Beth over here. But they're like merging and changing. That gets into this different, like, it's scary on this different level because it is so different from us. And we need to understand it to deal with it.
4: Yeah, this, the idea of the Jedi trying to connect with every, you know, the force, which, you know, connects every part of the galaxy, right? Uh, you know, uh, and, and here you get, uh, oh, look at those nice plants. Oh, it's trying to kill me now. Uh, and just, just immediately having that kind of um, conflict with the organic and stuff like like all the things, all the great examples you're, you're, you're given here, too, of what it could be. That's just really different. I can't immediately predict what's going to happen. Um, with the Nile, uh, it's it's I we're gonna talk about it in a second. I, I actually really like what's coming out with the Nile, but you know you can look and then go, all right. I, you, at some point, there's gonna be a, f- a fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this one, I I mean, sure, I guess you could hack and slash a, a, a sentient plant life monster, but how you know, just it sets up something entirely different. So I, I'm I'm more excited, and that's not necessarily my thing. I'm not a I'm you know I I. I not a huge uh, Cthulhu f- fan. I've played a few of the games where I've had to roll dice to kill the monsters, but it's not generally my thing. But so, but I look at this and I go, I just, you know, it, it's, it's reminiscent of that in a, in a, cool way, but it's, I, I personally just can't predict right away what it's going to be. And so now I'm intrigued. Now I want to turn the page.
0: That's yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. And you were really touching on what I think is going to challenge them specifically, uh, philosophically or scare them. Mm-hmm. It, it if, there, if it is the kind of thing where there is a mound of sentient plants that want something uh, mm-hmm. and the Jedi can't actually stop it because if you hack a great, you hacked apart those plants, good for you, the sentience just moved over to some other plants to the left. Like You can't just yeah. cut them down. So that's scary because it's on a practical level how you deal with them. But philosophically, if it is like the Jedi are like, we respect all life and you know, some sentient plant life basically takes over an entire planet, they, Mm. you know, in theory that you would want to just, the Jedi would just want to let it be and let it be its own life form. But if that life form wants to kill, like, uh, do we need to devastate all vegetation, you know, vegetation on a planet? That's really not our philosophy, but that vegetation is going to kill everybody there. Damn, what are we going to do? That that challenges them.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, what's the, oh gosh, we already got one of the Jedi listed in the High Republic that feels really connected with nature and sees himself as a tree, right? It's, uh, the, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, So you drop him in the middle of that, right? Like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's something that I, I mean, I would not have gone, I, again, this is why I'm not on a writing team (laughs) writing the High Republic. I would not have been like, let's have plant monsters, uh but it's it's more than that and, and what you're describing. It's more than that. It's gonna represent a lot of different things and challenges. So it's cool. That's different. The Drengeer. And that's
0: gonna be a cool figure, just a blobby plant monster. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh He-Man's Moss Man, step out of the way. Here come yeah. the Drengeer.
4: In addition to the Drengeer, we uh we got the Nile, as I said, the aforementioned Nile. And uh, we learned a little learned a little bit more. They have three main divisions, uh called Tempest, The divisions are called Tempest which are run by captains, and they answer to Tempest Runners. And as mentioned before, they are Marauders and, and Raiders, but they answer to their own code of take what we want. So first I want to ask you there, Joseph, uh, knowing a little bit more, we, we are familiar with the Marauders, Raiders. You know, This is a new frontier type of vibe. Uh, they are pirates out there, Vikings, if you will, whatever example you want to give. We've known that. But to know that there is a rank, structure, a code that they Uh, Aspire to stick to and work to and believe. What do you think about that? Knowing a little bit more about the Nile,
0: yeah. I like that they have a you know, playing around with these ideas that pop up in Star Wars a lot between the Mandalorian and the Jedi and the Bounty Hunters Guild of like, we have a code, we have a structure, this is the way we do it. But our code is take everything we want, uh, and that's it. That's the you know, primary mission is really cool. Uh, because I think that's going to challenge the Jedi in, in a different way. Than the Drengier, because you know, the Jedi want to find common ground, right? They're trying to keep peace and justice and uh, defend when possible. But it's interesting to me if the if the galaxy's in a little bit of chaos because of the great disaster and mm. these, you know, Nile are just popping up suddenly and violently, that's mm. not like a planet that's having a disagreement that the Jedi can go mediate, right? They can't really defend if they're just popping up suddenly. So then there's that choice of like, okay, do we have to be proactive? Do we have to go find out where the Nile live and, you know, take them out? Uh, And also, if the Nile's whole philosophy is take what you want, that's not a philosophy that the Jedi can meet halfway. So that's Mm -hmm. scary for them to face philosophically of we've maintained peace and justice for a long time while we've been able to live up to our our ideals. And here's someone who is going to force us into a... you know, you got to fight us, live or die, you know, you know, if you want to save other people, you got to take us down.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Conflict. Despite what we maybe thought growing up in the eighties, not, not what Jedi love
0: running into fight. No, they want to, the Jedi want to sit somewhere uh, peacefully on a nice lawn, you know, maybe reading a book or discussing philosophy. And now, Pirates might suddenly come out of nowhere and start slaughtering people and the grass under the ground while they're talking philosophy might start attacking them. It's not a peaceful time for the poor Jedi.
4: And and for me, it, it, it is I enjoy the idea of there's a little bit more of a structure than what was originally pitched or, you know, they're, they're dropping little bits of information along the way. My view of them until this moment were crazy kind of rawr, pirates going to go cause problems in the galaxy, which is great. I get that as a threat on the surface. Uh, you know, I don't want it to sound like it's the empire or a bad guy army, but like to have some, some desires behind what they're doing, have some purpose, a little structure, a little focus to have leaders. Uh, I don't need it to be just simple, you know, galaxy domination, galaxy conquest, but, but it, it just adds a little weight for me that I enjoy knowing that it's not just craziness. Cause I, you know, I'm one that's always like, uh, I don't like the idea of, um, Oh we're going to get Kenobi series he's going to fight a bunch of space pirates like oh, great but w- I want something more than that you know right uh, uh, a dust up in the street I want I want some some deep and and so right at, so we have a almost an opposing army and 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 it's not going to be the clone wars again or generals in the jedi ranks it's going to be something a little different but just to know that there's a there's a purpose towards a uh, purpose behind the 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 marauding and what they're working toward uh, that's what I like
0: yeah, yeah. It's great that they have a specific philosophy, and maybe they're building to something, but maybe it's not galactic domination. Yep. Maybe it's just like, yeah, we want to be the best pirates ever, and we are terrorizing everyone everywhere.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, and good point. I don't necessarily need someone uh, trying to sit on the throne of this galaxy, but just to have a little bit more. Uh, and, and, and at the head of the ranks, uh, we want you to meet Martian Rowe. Martian Rowe uh, is maybe how we'll say it now, right now. I don't know. How you want to say that one,
0: Joseph? Uh, yeah, you- Martian Ro. Okay, there we go.
4: We'll, we'll we'll run these through a symposium of name pronunciations uh, so. and <laughs> um, the current Eye of Nile is uh, what he is, and that is like his uh, father before him. So now we have legacy going on here. Much of what makes the Nile more than raiders comes from him, says the article. And then Daniel Jose Older adds uh, that the Nile are truly unlike any Star Wars villains we've seen before. So. Man, and this goes back to what scares the Jedi um, and everything there. So how do we feel, putting this all together, Joseph, how do we feel some marauders and raiders that take what they want will scare the Jedi? We got we got how the plant life will scare the Jedi, but how are they uh, going to scare the Jedi? We, we talked about some philosophy already here, but what, what are you thinking here?
0: Yeah, I really think it is that um, that they do have a society, they do have a culture, so in theory the Jedi would want to respect that, but if their culture is... Uh, pop out of the shadows where there's crisis, and where there's crisis, and rob from innocent people, terrorize innocent people, kill innocent people. On the one hand, the Jedi are like, "We are the guardians of peace and justice, so we got to do something about that." But yeah. we we can't figure out what to do about that because we can't bring them to the table for a philosophical, dis- uh, you know, discussion. Their philosophy is is screw you, I take what I want, <laughs> you know, and you can't meet uh, halfway with somebody whose only philosophy is take what i want you can't be like how about if you just take half what you want like last time you visited this planet you killed 50 people could you just do 25 could you just murder 25 like that's not a philosophy you can meet halfway but that really endangers the jedi's philosophy of wanting to only use the force for uh knowledge and defense to Mm -hmm. say the only way we can do that is figure out their culture. We got to figure out where this eye of Nile is and why, why is he the center of things? We got to go and cut him down, but that's not what we do. Like, I think that's where it's going to come from is my guess.
4: Yeah. I like that there. Uh, And then, and then, and I I just, I'm I'm really intrigued by, you know, this, this little curveball that's come in late into the marketing, obviously baked in the story of, the Nile on one side and now the sentient plant life on the other. It, it's a weird, it's a weird, wonderful little sci-fi, uh, you know, which Star Wars is and isn't at times. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's an interesting landscape because uh, I think I've just been excited about the High Republic being a, a place for Jedi to really question and think about what's going on in their brains and hearts and souls. And now we got this stuff going on. I like it. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm getting more excited for the series.
0: Yeah, these seems like seem like good villains to, to tackle some of those uh, Jedi philosophies uh, questions, but make them active. Um, and I kind of like this. I like that the the dringer were uh, an idea that we're well, like they'll they'll be there too, and that they've grown a little bit because that's a f- interesting way to challenge the Jedi if they really are at their peak. Of just mm-hmm. it's really a when it rains it pours. We got a couple problems that we don't know exactly how to deal with. And we're trying to expand the galaxy, and there was just this great accident. And now we got these two different threats. Yeah. It's a great way to challenge them, is just to put too much on their damn plates.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah. Out of uh, generations of peace, and now they got this. It's going to be as the galaxy expands, which again is something I really like too. Just it's, it is a new frontier going on. And on a very surface level, Marchion Roe, his design. Kind of a Sedan Ithano look in there. Uh, I really like that design. That's a design that I'd love to see pop up elsewhere, too, uh, and just have the character. I'm not I'm not already saying get him to a Mandalorian Season 7. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> um, I like it. That's a good Star wars design.
0: It's a very good Star Wars design, really building on what's come in before, but still looks unique. Um, yeah, and I, I like also that the uh, artwork has made it clear and uh, some of these interviews... That this is also like Mandalorians, this is a little bit of a creed, right? Because it's not a species, I mean, we were seeing Twilix and humans and Zabraks yeah. who are a part of this. Right.
3: Yeah.
4: No. I, and I like that too. An all-star team of villains. <laughs> I'll take that. Final thought out of this one because they are asking this. I, I there's I think our our answers, particularly some stuff you have said here, it kind of would filter filter its way down to to this uh, answer here. But what makes a good Star Wars villain to you?
0: Yeah, I think it's a couple things. I think it is that combination of the new and the old. I like that Star Wars takes things that we are kind of deeply familiar with as a culture that maybe even uh, taps back as far as, you know, uh, ancient myths that different cultures have told and then adds it the weird Star Wars flavor on top of it. And I kind of like that the big reveal is the Jedi are going to fight pirates and evil plants. (laughs)
4: because <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's just it's straightforward genre stuff but they're putting this star wars spin on it that ties the villains into challenging the uh kind of thematic ideas of star wars of, of the organic is usually in star wars the place you go to reconnect with uh with truth and light and nature uh and, and the natural way of things and you know turning that on its head And now the organic is this insidious creeping problem beneath your feet and, uh, you know, the pirates in a time where where the galaxy is expanding and the Jedi are trying to bring as many people into the Republic as possible to have people like, we don't want to be a part of anything. We just want to take things. I think a good villain is one that has these deep mythic roots, just plain old looks cool, looks scary, and then challenges the some of the core themes.
4: Yeah, I... I, I... So, where I go to, what I, I'll say, what I just love about about what's going on here in the High Republic, what's what's intriguing to me, and and, and then try to answer my own question here. But just <laughs> we're so used to, you know, I'll take I'll take the prequels and set them aside a little bit on this this answer, but uh, the original trilogy, sequel trilogy, it is so much the 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 bad guys, the villains, the bad team are kind of the ones in control for the most part. First order, you could debate, uh, they kind of emerge and take control, but. You know, they they take a military control, uh militaristic control, of the company uh, co- company of the of the country of the galaxy, a little bit uh later on in the series. And our heroes are always trying to take things back, right? They're always mm-hmm. resisting, and which is beautiful and and works well. So to have that kind of reversed right here is something that's interesting to me. Then the, just on the surface of of the Nile might be trying to they're they're the rebels in a way here. I don't know. That's that's different for me. Uh, again, separatist republic. You you could look at it a little differently. But then, so it, it is what it is. Like, I'm thinking, what's my favorite Star Wars villains? Really, for me, it's Kylo Ren, because of, he. I, I like a villain that's going to tell you something that might not be wrong. It's not right. But it, you look at it and go, okay, I, ooh, you're confusing me. You're making me think, and I need to find my way to the light side and through your garbage. But you're putting some stuff up there that's coming from you, coming from your journey. And, and so... I, I'm trying to take that from Kylo. Um, Darth Vader's a little different. I'm not, Palpatine's not right, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he's menaced and he's going to get in your head. To take that and 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 if the Nile have any of that, and who knows if the, uh, you know, the Dren are going to speak, oh, I'm a plant. But even if they do, are they going to have something like, hey, it's our galaxy two kind of vibe? Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of stuff I like. And if the Nile, uh, or again, that's why I think maybe that's why I might be intrigued in, more intrigued than I thought of Of they have structure. If there again is a, we're going to take what we want, we're going to take this galaxy from you. And by the way, here's some of the things going wrong out here that you can't deny Jedi. And even though, you know, you can break it down and find the right in it and find the wrong in what they're saying. Um, on the surface, it just kind of creates that phil- philosophical debate uh, uh, that you're talking about, Joseph. And, and I think that's kind of what makes a good Star Wars villain for me. Yeah. That makes any sense.
0: It does. It does. I think they're there I think what I hear you describing is there's a lot of great villains start from this point where you can empathize with them because they're like, Hey, I have a good point about a problem or hypocrisy that needs to be addressed and you're like, Good point, villain. And then the villain's like, and so I'm going to selfishly slaughter people and rage and not do anything to actually resolve the problem that I'm talking about. I'm just going to lash out because of it. And you get to go on this great roller coaster of like, you've brought up a problem that needs to be addressed. Oh, not like that. Not like <laughs> that. Uh, and I feel like these villains are probably set up to do uh, something similar like that.
4: Yeah, on this level. And Vader and Maul are a little different for me. Like Vader is a lot of what you're saying there too, but it's like already he's just... Uh, He's just his own. He's his own tragedy, and the real villain to me is it's Palpatine, right? Uh, in in a way,
0: right? Um, yeah, but I mean, the pre, by the prequels, you know, get to show us what Anakin's, you know, gone through. Right. You, you can empathize more with Vader, even though he's yeah. uh, does horrific things.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah, and oddly, and oddly we root for him at times, right? Uh, Maul, it, it's his own thing, too. I have, a, I have a lot of empathy for Maul, too. It's why I think that that powerful uh, final moment with him and Obi-Wan in the, in the tw- Twin sons uh, episode of Rebels is, is great, but a little different. And uh, I'll tell you what, more excited than I thought I would be for the Nile. Uh, and, and I already thought they look cool, but I will always want more than cool. I think we're going to get that,
0: Joseph. Yeah, yeah. I think my final thought is, like, yeah, big Star Wars villainy, a lot of it has... Uh, you're doing a deep dive on the individual characters, some of the big ones we know, like Vader and and Kylo. Uh, But there's also been always this sort of large mechanized rigid army, right? The endless sea of stormtroopers or uh, battle droids. Uh, So I like that. This is, these are all creeping terrors, like literally creeping plants and pirates that can pop out of nowhere. And there isn't that same sort of a huge mechanization. And I think that makes Mm -hmm. them different. And, uh, and I think yeah. it's always fun to meet the new villains because that we talked about it when we did our big Power of Evil or Power of the Dark Side uh, deep dive type episode where, you know, Star Wars is a fun place to safely play around with enjoying the darkness without actually doing anything too horrible. And it looks like it's going to be fun to, you know, get yep. to imagine yourself, you know, being... Manchie row, or imagine yourself being the Drangir, uh, but uh, not actually do horrible things.
4: <laughs> not do horrible things. Uh, speaking of uh, cool villains in Star Wars, uh, hey, uh, Thrawn is uh, set to face a new enemy in Thrawn Ascendancy, colon, greater good, greater good. Uh, we got this, uh, this is going to come out May the 4th, uh, 2021, Star Wars Day. In the new year. And uh, let's uh, read what we got here. Well, Thrawn's latest tramp uh, still rests rests newly on his shoulders, despite leading the chist to victory and bringing glory to the house of myth. The true threat to the ascendancy has not yet been extinguished. Their foes do not send threats or ultimatums or mass ships on the edge of chaos. Their weapons come cloaked in smiles and generosity. Gifts offered freely. Services granted unconditionally. Uh, yeah, across uh, – there's uh, – the, we got a political villain is what it is. <laughs> I guess I can go on here. Sorry, I have more. Across the ascendancy, seemingly inconsequential events could herald the doom of the Chiss as thrown and the expansionary defense, uh, defense fleet. Rally to uncover the enemy plot, they discover a chilling truth. Rather than invade Chiss capitals or pillage resources, this mysterious enemy strikes at the very foundation of the ascendancy by widening the rifts between the nine ruling families and 40 great houses below – as rivalry and suspicion sow discord among allies, each warrior must decide what matters most, the security of their family or their survival of the ascendancy itself. As Varys would say, I want you to serve the realm. All right. Here <laughs> we go. Sorry, I, I forgot I had uh, two paragraphs to read, Joseph, but uh, a political villain type of stuff, which we know Thrawn's not great at dealing with. What do you think about this stuff?
0: Yeah, this uh, I was really excited by this because it is different from some of the other Thrawn stuff we've seen. It pays off on some of the uh, world-building of the just culture that I really did like in Chaos Rising. Uh, so I really like, yeah, that this whole description is basically like, here's a threat that Thrawn is just terrible at dealing with it. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So how will he deal with? And this is one of those places that creates tension because we know by the time he gets to... uh the empire he's still not the best at politics and he still needs allies around him who kind of help him with that so it's not like he's suddenly going to become a master of it in this book so that'll be really interesting if this is if he recognizes it's insidious plot where the enemy is uh you know inside us masquerading as us how can i force that into an arena that i understand better in order to defeat them is really interesting to me um and then i also just like it is is I know that Timothy Zahn will have his own take on it uh but mm-hmm. it's I like it when Zahn tackles themes that I think are really uh deep to Star Wars and puts his own stamp on them and I like right. this theme of of if the just kind of on one hand realize we're being infiltrated we're being played against one another but also at the same time I really don't want my family or my house to lose influence it really gets this great uh Star Wars selfless versus selfish you know do you stand up for yourself or do you uh, elevate the whole to be more important than the individual
4: yeah that yeah this is this to me is a great use of what he set up uh with the chiss ascendancy and just the nine ruling families and all those kind of things that were present in the in the first book of of uh, chaos uh, rising you, you know like it I, I am infinitely more intrigued by this joseph than i was with the the other uh villain and and stuff going on in the book Uh, and you know you and I you know I don't we don't gravitate towards Thrawn as much as other people do to be honest but I this is sets up something really interesting to me and something I probably wanted from Thrawn to have Thrawn really really challenged I just don't feel Thrawn is challenged often by you know, all right. Turn the cannons four degrees to the left. I studied the trash wastebasket, and I love it. You know, <laughs> great, I love it. I love
0: it. Fine. Yes. they do not understand right angles, and so yeah.
4: For Thrawn to be confused, for Thrawn to be on his heels, it's politics because that's driven, and we we hear that in every book that uh, in a New Canon, uh, it is it is brought up at least fifty times. You're not really good at politics, Thrawn. I mean, you're good, Thrawn, but you ain't good at that stuff. Well, now let's drop them right into the that water. Let's drop them in, uh, and great use of, of the ruling families and all those things that have been introduced to us here, uh, in, in in the uh, in the of I like that, man.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm, it, I enjoyed uh, Chaos Rising more than I expected to, even though it's uh, still uh, never going to be my favorite flavor of Star Wars. I enjoyed it that it dove into Thrawn's character a little bit more, and that it uh, that it really did great world building with the chist. So I'm really happy to see this uh, story that's going in the directions of the things I really liked about that book.
4: Absolutely. It comes out May 4th, 2021, like I said, and yep, you guessed it, we'll be doing a deep dive in that future. Also, to celebrate 30 years of Thrawn. Oh, my gosh. 30 years of Thrawn. Del Rey and the company out of uh, print are releasing a $150 price to go special edition (laughs) of Chaos Rising. And they're also going to release a a T-shirt. If you just want to get heir Air Air to the Empire on a T-shirt, you can get that, too. Probably not $150. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's nothing really to say about it, Joseph. That's. That's quite a collection there. That's quite a thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to save up my allowance for the the book. <laughs> no, no, I'm
4: not. Uh, but hey, thirty years of Thrawn, man. Let's reflect on that. Uh, that's that's kind of crazy, just from a standpoint of I still remember I the moment I plucked the paperback off the shelf at the grocery store in my hometown and said, "Oh, a new Star Wars book!" Wow, thirty years. Woo. Um, yeah. Thrawn, uh, always, once he was, once he was introduced, he was kind of always there. It was one of those, uh, have you read the new Star Wars books? No, no. I heard there's that Thrawn guy, uh, is yeah, talk of, uh, Oh, George is going to make, uh, more Star Wars movies. Maybe they'll do episode seven and Thrawn's the villain. You know, I, like, <laughs> cool. I wanted Jack Nicholson to play him. I mean, there you go. It's the <laughs> early nineties. What are you going to do? Um, so wait, do you get a lot? I won't even do it. Um, and then now we got him coming back and 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 triumphantly to new canon. Zahn returning as well. Uh that that's quite it's quite an impressive uh, uh feat, uh, what Thrawn's pulled off over thirty years, being present from just for the pages of a book at first.
0: Yeah, no, I and I'm I'm there with you If I got the the hardcover. You know, I, I did save up my allowance because like new Star Wars, what? Uh and cracked that yeah. open and then you know, in those first pages, uh, spoilers for a 30-year-old book, you know, Obi-Wan's like, well, I got to go. I can't talk to you anymore, but enjoy your hot chocolate. And I was, uh, you know, I enjoyed the books, but I even that back then, long before I could ever imagine uh, discussing Star Wars on, you know, a podcast uh, because they did not exist. Uh, there were some some parts of it that I was challenged by. I liked Thrawn. I thought Thrawn was cool, but I didn't have that. Th- I know those books and Thrawn are, for a lot of people, that that's their beginning for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um so I feel like I've gone on this great journey where I always liked Thrawn, but he wasn't a big deal to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I've, I I really like Thrawn now. I like the Thrawn that has emerged in new canon. I like his, his performance in Rebels. The art thing is just endlessly fascinating to me that really taking that idea that through our art, a lot of people are making an effort to make a statement with art, but that Art mm-hmm. is subconscious, too, and in that individuals and cultures could be making statements about themselves that they don't even realize they're making. And then here's this guy who's a military genius, but is not entirely in touch with his own emotions or with own with other characters, or, you know, other people, other sentient beings. But he can understand this limited idea of the way art connects to military choices it's just it's fascinating and it weird it's weird and it makes you ask questions to me about you know yourself and our own culture and then on top of that it's just fun that he has developed into space Sherlock Holmes as people call mm-hmm. him and that you can get that joy of like well I know he's gonna beat everybody and uh, part of it is in enjoying guessing how he did it and waiting for that paragraph where he's going to turn to his latest Watson and explain how he did it. Yeah. And I've come to, it's not always my favorite, but I've come to really enjoy that element of Thrawn.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've taken those jokes, those little swipes at it too. Of just like, Oh, I'll wait till Thrawn tells me what's going on. But uh, when, when I, I'm always waiting for it though, you know, that's my point. I'm always, I'm always like, Cool. I can't wait for the cool explanation to come, and, and and I'm with you on that, too. But yeah, Thrawn, look, Thrawn, um, Heir of the Empire, that whole series, that is, that kept the flame going. I, I say that a lot because I want a lot of people to hear that. Uh, it, it is true. The Legend stuff, the EU stuff, was Star Wars for a lot of people, uh, even if that uh, wasn't the case necessarily for me. It was for a lot of people, and, and I always celebrate any intro points into Star Wars, and Thrawn was there was something I loved about him. I used to make some little quotes of his uh, I, I back in the early 90s. I was trying to be a real deep high school kid. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's as uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn said, if I may. Um, but, you know, he does do what you described, and they, they really use it quite well in, in the modern stuff and Rebels, of just using this character to kind of go into our own personal philosophies and how we act and, and our natures and can you go against your nature? Uh, is it impossible? Quite frankly, this sounds like a joke. It's like modern baseball stats that are so broken down where they're like, we know you might want to hit the left field, but you can't. So all of our fielders are going to be over here. And that's something that's new to the, the baseball because of computers and technology and everything, computers. I said that like an old man. Um, <laughs> and, and But I see that in Thrawn too. Uh, jokes aside, where he's just like, I've studied you. I know you. And you, you're going to be you. And can you, to win you might have to do something as we see with ezra you might have to do something that i just can't get from you that i just can't connect with that's interesting and, and that's a good use of of thron right now and i like that so yay Thrawn!
0: yeah yeah i'm i'm very happy for the Thrawn renaissance uh for people who are who are uh coming to him now and for people who have been fans of him for 30 years
4: 30 years it is crazy well, that is our look at Star Wars news right now. Like I said, quiet week, but a lot to discuss. So a lot of things. What makes a good villain and the philosophies of Star Wars, a lot of it uh, all in this week's news. So uh, we are going to move on. But before we do, we're going to take a quick break. And before that, remind you that we have an audiobook we think you should try out. Joseph, what do we got this week?
0: Uh, we are going to recommend the entire Aftermath trilogy uh, by Chuck Wendig for reasons.
4: <laughs> that is... <laughs> Or reasons. There you go. Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash center Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, we are going to take a quick break and come back to answer your questions here on Force center Welcome back to Force Center. We have uh, done the news. Now we're going to get to those cues. We have some questions from uh, you folks in the audience. Joseph, let's get to it.
0: Yeah, great questions as always from both Twitter and uh, Patreon. We're going to start at Twitter. We've got a question uh, from Jay from Nowhere. Jay says, would Tarkin in Rogue One have played better as a hollow projection throughout the film? I've always felt that would have compensated for the uncanny valleyness of it and kept the focus on the character and not the behind-the-scenes work put into it. Ken, where do you land on the great Tarkin uncanny valley debate? Would you have preferred just hologram Tarkin? Where you at? I, I, at,
4: I at, at the risk of sounding like I'm, I'm being a contrarian, I did not have a problem with it and had a like a slight like yeah that was kind of weird after the first. I was, I was just surprised they did it to the level, right? I thought, oh, he's going to be a reflection in that that mirror when he's looking out the window when he's looking out of the desktop. And they go for it. I still think he belongs in that story. Uh, Tarkin needed to be there. And they took a big risk technically, uh, technologically. And uh, that's a Star Wars thing, man. That's a tradition. So I, I like it. I think the Leia one works a little less for me at the end. Um, I would love to see them maybe try to do that now. I mean, technologies have obviously gotten better including deep not that i want them to do that but i mean it's just scary what you can do with that as far as tarkin uh, i i joseph I, I i actually really enjoy it i don't get lost in an uncanny valley i do want other things and other properties and even some star wars stuff not so much with that one That's uh, just a me thing i guess
0: okay i just i want to make sure i'm on top of this headline are you advocating uh, a special edition of rogue one to update the technology
4: I'm not opposed to it.
0: <laughs> you're not opposed to it. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's really fascinating when you're looking at technology and saying, like, Oh, do, do you know, I, I think people would be okay with it if you always had access to the original. So you had that sort of historical document yep. as well.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a big debate. Yeah. I mean, the Leia one's fine. And again, I'm glad she's there again. They took a big swing. I, you know, look what they did in rise of Skywalker. I think for the most part, that that worked under under real tough circumstances. So uh, I'm I'm always okay for it, uh, okay with it. But as far as uh, Jay for nowhere's uh, hollow protection, yeah, I could see that too. It just I think it would have been more obvious to I don't know, like it would have been more obvious that that that's not you don't have Thron if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so, you don't have Tarkin. Uh, yeah, uh,
4: yeah, uh, Thron. God, he's still in my mind. <laughs> Thrawn that's what Thrawn does. He just gets in. <laughs> um. No, so, some would argue that the way they went with Tarkin, it was more obvious that it wasn't uh, he wasn't actually real. But I look, man, I, I know some, I know some people who were like, yeah, my girlfriend or my mom or my dad were like, that they didn't know uh, they thought that guy had died.
0: <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> you know? how would how, he get there? Yeah, yeah. I think I am mostly in agreement with you on all of it. I think the Leia is rougher for me, and I I could have seen a you know that shot working just from. Having power from the back, from that uh, you know, just kind of the iconic uh, silhouette. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, big swings. Uh, yeah, in my experience, exactly the same as you. Is talking with other people about Tarkin. Some people are like, "Whoa, no, that's on Candy Valley," and other people are like, "What do you mean?" I thought that was you know, I thought that guy aged really well since 1977. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but or there are people who just like aren't that deep into it and just like yeah. uh, didn't know at all. So clearly, there's something fascinating going on with. uh, different people's perception of Mm -hmm. Tarkin and and perception of, you know, uh, the, what does look real to us and what doesn't, for me, there's something about his mouth that like uh, it moves Mm -hmm. a little bit more to me uh, than uh, a human mouth moves of just like, not a human mouth, but that human mouth. Uh, So like, that's where I perceive it. So for me, it definitely is a little bit in the uncanny Valley, but for other people I've talked to, it is not in the uncanny Valley at all. So I think my big answer to Jay from nowhere's question is, I think if they had gone with the hologram, I think for some people that would have been like, yeah, that works a lot better because you've got a little bit of a buffer from the Uncanny Valley. But for a people who didn't perceive the Uncanny Valley, I think they'd really dislike that. because, like, why can't that guy take a meeting? <laughs> right. uh, Krennic flew all the way to Mustafar for a like three minute meeting uh, yeah. and. Tarkin's not physically on the Death Star when he's trying to take command of it. I think I think the hologram would have bugged some other people. Uh, so I, I think this is one for me where me just individually as a viewer, Tarkin is in the Uncanny Valley, but I don't care because it is such a big part of the Star Wars tradition to Ooh. you know take a big swing at you know, uh, to mix my metaphors, take a big swing at pushing the technological envelope. That's such a part of the heritage of Star Wars is let's try something new. It's fine with me that he's for me a little bit in the valley.
4: Yeah, I can do it. I can live with it. Yeah. Excellent.
0: We're going to move on to our next question. Uh, our next question comes from a person who sends in great questions, great thoughts, a longtime listener, whose name I am never able to say exactly correctly, and I apologize. So I will take another swing, uh, push that envelope of my mouth technology. Yuval have <laughs> uh, Yuval says, with the excitement for the High Republic Rising, if indeed it will be a success, I would like to see it expand to the screen. So my question is, would you want to keep it a reading experience and in your imagination or see it on the screen, animated or live action? Ken, want to argue with this. A lot of people, I think, uh, have been hearing this bubbling of as High Republic uh, excitement builds, people are either like, it should be on the screen, or I think it's going to be on the screen. How do you feel about it?
4: Yeah, look, with the amount of energy they, they've put into making it, you know, creating this world and the think tanks and the teams, I can understand going, well, just, hey, just go straight to the movies. But, the, uh, you know, publishing is, is definitely a different medium. It's a different way to tell the story. I just was talking about this week on Spotlight Star Wars of just, you know, you know, comics are comics and, and novels are novels. And, and, and it's just different ways to tell a Star Wars story that is uh, unique to itself. And, and so I'm excited to see this world and the lore that they're, you know, added into and people love lore in Star Wars. They're create they're, they're adding to what we know and they're creating its their, their, their own world and own lore within this time period. I think that kind of needs to happen on the page uh i'm more interested in that right now and then seeing where you can take the films but to you've uh i don't i'm i've always said that wrong too uh <laughs> take that, um, to, to, to go to his question i think i think down the line yeah that just makes some sense but we i think i wonder if there's going to be and it's hard it's easier to do this on a show or a movie but i wonder if there's going to be like breakout characters where we're all just like, oh, Burr, Yaga, man, that (laughs) Wookiee Padawan. Like, I want a series of of his adventures. Like, you know, a lot of these Padawans as they become Jedi. Like, I don't know. I don't quite know how long the High Republic stories, the books and everything are planned, you know, or that this is a two, three year project or they, is this going forward where we're always going to have a High Republic book once a year or something like that? I, I don't quite know that answer. I haven't been tracking that. Maybe other people know that answer. But eventually there's going to be a call. If it works, it's going to be a call for live action. And I think that's fair.
0: Yeah. I think they announced like a second round of books, like one or two. Right. Um, So I think really indicating that the plan is for this to go for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's a big part of it uh, for me that I'd be, I'd be happy to see uh, animated or maybe even live action or anything on the screen in the far flung future. But, for me the mission of this is so clearly not only let's come up with a story that makes sense to be in publishing that makes sense to be books and comics like you are wisely saying Ken but also like the screen Star Wars storytelling is always gonna be a little bit uh in flux uh Mm -hmm. it's always gonna be a little bit uh in response to the demands and the changes of technology and Hollywood Uh, and, and I think the screen storytelling is always also going to be the, you know, the final say it's, it's going to be the, the big thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I think part of the whole creation of high Republic is let's really give the publishing arm a bunch of elbow room. To just tell their own story and take it wherever it goes and not worry about, like, oh, we were building up to this, but now we're not actually doing that television show that we were building up to. Or, you know, now that television show is actually a movie and all that kind of stuff that can happen uh, when the publishing side is kind of supporting the screen side. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to just let them have their elbow room to tell the stories for a while uh, in the publishing side. I also, we get this question a lot too. I would really love to see them for the screen, particularly in animated version, start adapting some of the great books that are out there. And I think that might be a great stepping stone. I'd be thrilled if, yeah, the High Republic's rolling along is a publishing concern. Uh, Those characters are emerging as absolute fan favorite characters. Uh, At the same time, uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan and Rebel Rising and Lords of the Sith are, you know, one shot animated uh, in -hmm. canon, uh, disney plus movies movie events uh yeah. and starts to build that world where this is a natural thing that happens in the land of star wars and then you know you, you get a couple of years into high republic and you know like kind of high republic phase one so you can you know do a movie adaptation of it you know uh mm-hmm. kind of looking back that would be to me the path that would be uh, the most satisfying as a fan
4: Once you start talking though, about adapting things canon junkies beware beware little details can get lost along the way
0: yep some uh, some tweaks will be made along the way the other thing about this high republic question which i think is so great and i was thinking about it when when we were talking about Thrawn, i'm so excited to see the generation of fans that this is gonna be their star wars right that there there's gonna be so many comics and books to emerge yourself in uh Mm -hmm. that i think we're gonna see this new generation of like Yeah, where were you? Original trilogy, prequel trilogy, and like, um, I'm a High Republic fan. That's where I started.
4: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's great. And look, I I want there to be a a clamoring for a live action or an animated version of High Republic because that means these are home runs. You know, if that's the case, so I'm excited for that day. And you're right, there's going to be a time where like, oh, I got handed. Uh, the High Republic, uh, Yoda and the Adventures of the Young Padawans, Volume 2 and, and Phase 2 of the High Republic. That was the first Star Wars book I got. And wow, what a world. So it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. The Nile are the coolest villains in Star Wars ever. Uh, right. Great question. Uh, thank you uh, for those two Twitter questions. We're going to move on to uh, some patrons from Patreon. First up, Gregory Jensen. Gregory says, I just watched The Phantom Menace the other day and I was taken aback by Queen Amidala's deft political maneuvers throughout the film. The next time we see the Queen on screen, Anakin is a teenager. I would love to see a book, comic, or miniseries based on Amidala's rule of Naboo between The Phantom Menace and The Clone Wars. What are your thoughts on this period of time in the galaxy and what would you like to see from a Queen Amidala-based series in this time period? Uh, Great question, great thought, Gregory. Uh, Queen Amidala is... Uh, moving and shaking politically, as it were, in The Phantom Menace. So I wanted to take this question because I think it's a great opportunity for us to plug some books that we like and then talk about what more we would want to see uh, from Queen Amidala. So we got those two E.K. Johnston books uh, that exist now. uh, Queen's Peril, which is really the start of her career right as she is uh, elected queen. And then we have uh, Queen's Shadow, which is right at the end of her career as queen and the beginning of her career as senator. So we we can recommend those uh, to anybody who hasn't checked those out and is hankering for more Amidala. We think highly of those books. Uh, mm. But then, Ken, what other Amidala storytelling do you want to see?
4: Yeah, first, echoing your thoughts on those books. I mean, th- those are two books I have kind of pinned to reread. Uh, out of all, there's so many Star Wars books, and, and I think that, Catalyst, Rebel Rising, I'm like, yeah, it's getting to the point where I kind of want to revisit those books. It's been a few years. For some of them, you know, and those two are on top of the list. I just think they're fun, uh insightful and quick reads and in and, and a good way. Um, and I think you take that kind of spirit into a show that kind of what Gregory is talking about, if you're to do a limited uh, you know, Amidala, the Disney Plus series, uh, ten episodes, eight episodes of, of that t- period of time, uh post-phantom menace to the end of her term and going to be a senator, which is where what Queen Shadow picks up. And just you know would it be earth shattering what's she dealing with during that time it's not Sith it's not separatists the politics um, again this I always say you know one of the, the big important things she's done is 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 integrating two societies that 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 did not like each other and at some point stopped talking or working or functioning or, or treating each other as 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 beans worthy of, of come to the table over like that was pretty big for Amidala to to realize this is what we need to do uh work with the Gungans and 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 you know let the Gungans know that we don't think we're above them you know you could have a lot of that the fallout of that that's probably not an easy transition for everyone in Naboo right That's probably not oh yeah good point I mean there's going to be some fights there we know stuff with her and Panaka and the defense and are we a pacifist uh, culture and 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 country and planet and nation or what are what are we like we just went through an invasion we got to be careful and and there seems to be some divergence between her and Panaka and some others, even her own family, about that. So it's smaller scale um, storytelling in Star Wars, perfect for a Disney Plus series. Maybe a smaller percentage of people would want to watch that, Joseph. They hear Star Wars and politics and they groan. But uh, Amidala has an entire generation of fans behind her. Those prequel kids love Amidala. And, and you and I are trying to make sure that other generations, the ones that maybe came before, <laughs> love amidala for what she did and what her she means to the story so it could be it could be could have its place
0: yeah absolutely um yeah the the queen's peril and the queen's shadow book are both great but there is that room like you're talking about maybe even for a book that's queen's reign of you know right Mm -hmm. in the heart of you know does she have is there a specific political crisis that you know rises up over one of those uh great ideas of the gungans and you know how do we uh Protect Naboo, but not give in to fear. Uh, all those kind of things, it's, I think, would make a great book. And who knows? E.K. Johnson could be writing Queen's Reign as <laughs> uh, I think for me, the time period that I'd be interested in to see, you know, if it was an animated uh, short or, you know, a short Disney Plus series or however it emerges uh, on on screen. Either some of Amidala's time uh, as a senator before the Clone Wars or honestly, I, I think I'd love something that's really centered on Ami, Amidala during the Clone Wars. And mm-hmm. I know during the Clone Wars animated series, we, we definitely get to spend time uh, with Padme. Uh, we get to spend uh, time with her on kind of separate adventures. We do see more of her relationship with Anakin. We do see more of her uh, relationship with Soka. We do see her uh, political frustrations and her doubts and her fears and her attempts to get things back on the right course. Uh, but I, Clone Wars is, you know, often whiz-bang adventure. And I think there'd be room for like a a political adventure that's really maybe even toward the end of the Clone Wars. That's really Padme staring into the the dawning horror of how bad things have gotten. Uh, Mm -hmm. And again, we get bits and pieces of that. But, you know, honestly, some political adventure that does have some action that is Padme's dark time of the soul, really close to Revenge of the Sith, where the focus is her and her alone. And she's wrestling with the reality of how bad things have gotten uh, with the Senate uh, and, and wrestling with her relationship with Anakin, you know, because we, we always get bits and pieces and in, in, uh, E.K. Johnson's done such a great job into diving into her head in different time periods But I'd love that same level of depth given to Mm -hmm. Padme's perspective on the relationship and how much she loves him, but how much she knows it's it's been a risk and Mm -hmm. how how she's kind of is her feelings about her own relationship, and her own choices affecting how she's feeling about the galaxy and what her hopes are for Anakin, what her hopes are for uh, the Jedi, all that kind of stuff. I think there's a lot of room to explore something interesting there.
4: I think it's. I think it would be. I almost would call it uh, tremendously important that one day we get that perspective of Padme during that time and, and and those relations. Everything you're describing, and because Queens Peril did such a good job of going, uh, you know, up and into the Phantom Menace, the movie we know and have known for years, and giving you some stories around the corner in such a, 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 an inventive and fun way for me. Yeah, I, I I, I, would I'd be willing to start a hashtag for E.K. Johnston to write, I don't know, the Queen's End. Is that too sad of a story of a title? <laughs> but it, you know, it, it could have some meaning there. Anyways, yeah, I, I, great point, Joseph. I, I just think that there's a lot there to, to, in that era for Pat May. Yeah. yeah, Queen's Legacy. How about? There we go. That's a more positive take. Good old grumpy it's a Queen's End. Killer. <laughs> Queen's Legacy. I like that.
0: No, not too grumpy at all. Great question, uh, Gregory. And if you're interested, I hope you check out those books. They are fast, fun reads, and they do connect to like a lot of juicy, fun Star Wars canon. Particularly, I think, if you're a fan of Phantom Menace, uh, Queen's Peril is fascinating. Uh, move on to our final question from Dan Uphoff. Uh, Dan uh, has some uh, thoughts, as we really like. We really like these essay form questions from our uh, Patreon listeners. So he's got some thoughts, and then we will answer uh, the question That emerges from the thoughts. Dan says, In your recent episode of Star Wars Ranked, you discussed your favorite Luke Skywalker moments. Hearing you discuss all of Luke's heroic moments made me think about the main hero of the sequel trilogy, Rey, and her heroic moments by comparison. It occurred to me that Luke had several fist-pumping heroic moments where he was in a tense, hold-your-breath, edge-of-your-seat, dangerous situation, only to gloriously come out on top. The specific moments that stick out in my mind are him narrowly escaping the Wampa in the cave on Hoth, and him turning the tables on Jabba and company while on the plank of the sail barge. Maybe you can help me out, but I can't recall Ray having uh, such moments, at least not in the films. Of course, she has countless heroic moments over all three films, and she saves the entire galaxy. Uh, But does she have any of those swashbuckling heroic adventure moments when she was in imminent danger, like the ones I mentioned from Luke? Uh, of course, she doesn't need them to be. Of course, she doesn't need them to be the incredible character that she is. But I thought it was an interesting comparison. Can you think of any moments I'm missing, or what are your thoughts on this in general? So great thoughts uh, from Dan to be looking at that sort of Star Wars poetry of there are heroic moments for all the different characters, but uh, do they feel different? Do they look different? How? Why? Uh, all that kind of thing. So Ken, let's dive into the heroic moments, the kind of swashbuckling moments that we think are there for Ray, and then why they may or may not feel different.
4: Uh, yeah, I think uh, again, Dan, I I appreciate Dan's question here a lot and 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 he ends up and he's clearing a very positive spot about the character of Ray. I think they're I get what he's saying in terms of just on a beat by beat moment, they're they're a little different. because I'm going to you know, as you read the question, I'm going to well. You know, the duel with Kylo on on Illum on Starkiller Base is is a pretty heroic moment. And 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 Dan saying, "Hey, hey, she has them," but uh, you know, swashbuckling uh, kind of moments. Uh, you know, escaping Kylo's capture with the you know with Daniel Craig Stormtrooper there. I know some people ah, back in the day were like oh, it happened too fast. I think that was a great moment of her just like I got to try this something new, uh, get out of it, running with Finn um, the. Escaping in the Falcon is a fist pumping moment. Um, I remember the first couple of times I saw that in the theater uh, and that included a um, cynical press crowds. Uh, when, when, when Finn uh, shoots that TIE fighter, you know, cause the gun stuck, the belly gun stuck and she does the trick and, and, and the Falcon gets into position and boom, and he shoots it. People cheer, man. Yeah. And so that's a Finn moment. And it's a Ray moment. So I think some of that stuff exists for me. Um, I, I think, um, I'm going to some stuff in Rise of Skywalker too. Again, I, the big stuff. I get what Dan's saying, but I, so I'm I go to facing down Pal, Palpatine, pretty swashbuckling, uh, fighting the uh, you know, uh, play a, a heart song Barracuda in the background of the throne room scene in Snoke, and you guys that's a <laughs> swashbuckling moment for me too. So, anyways, I, I'll stop and let you jump in here, Joseph.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think that uh, she does have a lot of uh, to me, big adventure swashbuckling moments. Uh, yeah, the uh flying the Falcon and lining up that shot for Finn. I think uh, catching the saber in the force awakens and that big reveal, and then uh, going to the end where, where she connects the force and, and finds her power and, you know, does the big uh, pushes saber down and does the slash. I think that's a big uh, heroic moment, saving her own life. I think catching the saber in the last Jedi is a big fist pumping Uh, moment when it slides out of Snoke and (laughs) right into her hand. And then even her her victory right there at the end over that Praetorian Guard where she does the cool uh, drop and slash move with the lightsaber drop, re-catch, and slash. Um, I think the Rise of Skywalker, I honestly think, for me, one of the biggest, uh, my favorite action moments in Star Wars, you know, up there with uh, Luke uh, flipping off the sail barge and catching his lightsaber is her knowing Kylo's coming, taking that deep breath, you know, and you know, getting ready, doing the quick turn to the camera, the run, the leap, the slash, and she takes down the ship is that's really cool. Uh, fist bumping, swashbuckling moment to me. Um, hitting the three ties in one, uh, in The Last Jedi, you know, when Chewie's flying over Crate and uh, she takes all three out of them, uh, three of them out at once, and we get the shot of her in the gunner seat, and she's like, I like this, <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, and the defeating Palpatine that you know, the the both. Both blades come to her hand. I am all the Jedi, you know, uh, holding holding the line and forcing the lightning back on him. That's a big heroic moment to me. So I think there are heroic moments, uh, mm-hmm. but I think to maybe kind of, uh, I, I think there are moments where the sequel trilogy just is different from the original trilogy uh, yeah. because of the way it is constructed. Um, I think the sequel trilogy is always in touch with, uh, the past that gives it this slight uh, f- flavor, where all like, um, I, this is hard to way to say it because I think every moment in original trilogy does have meaning, and we could talk about and have talked about like the thematic meaning of the Luke's escape from the Wampa and his uh, great flip and catch a lightsaber, and, and they are meaningful. Um, but the sequel trilogy has even more focus on how like each kind of step that Ray takes is is her trying to find her place and her trying to find her power and her trying how to use her power. And there's a lot of emotion built up in them. So the moments of victory aren't, it's hard. It's hard to see them as just kick ass and divorce them from what they mean to her emotional journey. Mm -hmm. I think that's maybe Uh, the best way to say what I'm feeling And other people, of course might absolutely disagree. It's a kind of a, a big one to tackle, but I feel like that's what it is is, There are moments to me that are absolutely just, I'm watching an adventure movie and the hero kicked ass, but I feel like they're always deeply tied also to the personal and the emotional.
4: Yeah. I, I, I struggling because it is a, it's a big topic and maybe speaks to why some people don't gravitate towards sequel trilogy as much as other trilogies. Right. You know, and I think it is constructed different. There's a Jabba sail barge sequence, right? One of my favorite. It's one of my favorite that made me a fan. Uh, I think that is more its own story, its own action. I think there's some things to it. You, you and I could definitely probably connect all the the lessons Luke learns from that. We could have fun with that. But it's also you got to go rescue your friends and you do it and yippee ki yay blank blank. I mean, it's like it's 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 fun in its own thing. And there's the sequel trilogy is it has to be because we're all so aware of what came before It had to structure how it un- unveiled its heroes and what they did in the story in a different way. And and we also expect a lot more of our stories now as an audience and everything we'd look for more meaning or connections or predictions to come true. When back then there was a little bit, particularly return of the Jedi, you know, you're, you're, you're in 83 now and, we're in a new era of, of modern action coming out of the 70s, uh, you know, French Connection days. Now we're now we're now we're in the Rambo days and and not saying and George's message was to go against that. That's what we know where Luke ends up. But that 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 opening sail barge sequence I go to a lot here is like, yeah, that was that was great. It was totally Douglas Fairbanks jumping on a, a pirate ship and all that kind of stuff. It was it was it was that. It had deeper meaning, but it was that. And I took that to the playground, not the, I wonder what uh, if that was in line with the philosophy of the Jedi. I wonder, you know, none of that was in my head. And, uh, <laughs> no. The, the original trilogy had, had, went for more of that a little bit, I think. Yeah. I don't, I, know, if that, I don't know if that is in line with what you're thinking, but I, I'm, I'm feeling what you, what I think you're saying.
0: Yeah, like, I think in particular, the Jabba sail barge scene, I think we talked about this on the Star Wars Ranked episode, I feel like it is watching Luke uh, walk that Jedi path. He tries everything else, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, from uh, money to uh, sneaking Han out to everything to verbal warnings, (laughs) free us or die. He tries to walk that Jedi path until he has no other choice. But then that moment with Luke doing the flip and getting the saber is very straightforward he what's at stake is uh han thinks he's still this kid who needs saving and we the audience know no he has become the knight and now the knight has his sword and he's going to rescue his friend and that is that moment um and i think that there are moments that are utterly triumphant for ray but i think they are different because i think you know the knight has her sword in the force awakens but she's not sure she has, knows how to use it. She's just beginning her first step. Um, you know, the knight has her sword when it, when it flies to her uh, in the throne room, but there's that ambiguity of, like, is Kylo on her side now? Well, let's just pause this question while they fight for their lives, and it's thrilling, but it's thrilling in a different way because there's this complexity to it, and I, and I would argue even in The Rise of Skywalker, uh, where she is fully formed, she has become a Jedi, She is representing the Jedi. She, you know, a thousand generations live in her. Uh, When she's got those two sabers, it's there's so much legacy. uh, You know, there's so much else going on, as well as her triumph is the knight with two swords, you know? Yeah,
4: Yeah, look, and I'll tell you what, some of my favorite quote unquote swashbuckling moments might even be from Finn in the sequel trilogy. He's kind of got that kind of adventure to me. That's just for me, maybe. Um, where I just think of that like individual, like cool, like, yes, action, got it, good. And 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 Ray has those but in a different way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you good touched way. touched on this a little bit with the mind trick. And that was the other thing that I wanted to kind of point mm-hmm. out is yeah. I, I feel like um the entire sequel trilogy is so um aware of the different kinds of victories that heroes can have in Star Wars. And again, mm-hmm. not like the original trilogy isn't, but I think since the t- sequel trilogy has got a commenting on the original trilogy in some ways that, that there's almost more of them that some of Ray's favorite heroic moments for me are uh, triumphs of a, of a different kind, you know, like when she does do the mind trick uh, to the, to the Daniel Craig storm or, mm. you know, when she chooses to do the super powerful mind trick to the, to first order troopers uh, in rise of Skywalker, when she lifts the rocks in last Jedi and has that mm. moment of like, no, just having power really matters, and it, it can save your friends. Uh, when she chooses uh, not to hack the Vexus apart, but instead give it a little bit of life and and you know heal its wounds, those are all kind of fist pumping moments for me of true heroism from Ray. Uh, mm-hmm. But they aren't necessarily swashbuckling. They're uh, I don't know uh, peace buckling. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I, I know.
4: I know what you mean. And, 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 and again, probably begs a deeper discussion. Gets into just off camera behind the scenes what do you gravitate to in star wars and and so and they are a little different even though there's poetry They're
0: different yeah yeah so lots of great moments for luke and ray right that's what our answer is ultimately yeah totally <laughs> Which is definitely what dan is
4: uh, is asking about and suggesting too but uh uh different flavors there
0: yeah yeah so uh great question dan uh, thank you for giving us this opportunity to do a uh little mini version of Star Wars ranked favorite Ray moments. I'm sure we'll do yep. a <laughs> a longer one at some point because uh yeah, our Luke Skywalker moments included some moments of swashbuckling action, but also that Star Wars ranked also did have lots of moments we were like that, that weren't about swashbuckling.
4: Yeah. And well, absolutely. Yeah. The Ray, Ray, uh, Ray Star Wars ranked on the way.
0: That is right. So thank you, Dan. Thank you, Gregory. Thank you. you thank you, Jay from nowhere. All great and interesting questions this week as always. Thanks a lot.
4: Yes. Thank you for all reaching out. And if you out there uh, want to uh, give us a follow and keep up to date on what we're doing, you can do so by going to Twitter at Four center pod. You can go to our Facebook page at Four center podcast. Uh, we are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Uh, subscribe on YouTube over there. Always working on other things, uh, you know, to put up on YouTube and we appreciate uh, those who want us on there more want to see our faces. Uh, we're working on some of those things too. I'm Just, working uh, on my face. Working on our faces, working on our faces. Podcasts available in a lot of different spots, including right now, Amazon Music. Uh, New over there. If you want to take your podcast in over there, we are on there. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. And at patreon.com slash force center is where you can support us. Uh, We are always excited to welcome new patrons. And uh, there's a lot of cool little rewards there. But I think one of the best things, you get plugged right into our private Discord uh, community where we're going to have, uh, you know, some just good old fun celebrating Star Wars, at times questioning Star Wars in, in, in a good, uh, productive way and just finding friends in the Force. over there. <laughs> Going up at Patreon.com slash Force Center. Any level of support gets you into that Discord. Uh, we uh, got our own stuff as uh, well. CatNapsock.com uh, is where you can uh, find me or at CatNapsock. Uh, where uh, where, can, where can they find you, Joseph?
0: Yeah, you can check out my website, uh, josephscrimshot.com for other comedy adventures, comedy albums, my other podcast, Obsessed. Uh, this week I had a really fun conversation on Obsessed with my wife, Sarah, about The Mandalorian and hearing about it from her perspective. It's always fun to talk Star Wars with my wife who really loves Star Wars, but, you know, uh, doesn't do hours of podcasts every week about it. So mm-hmm. it has a little bit more of that sort of big picture step back uh, view. So that was really fun. Uh, to do uh and then you can find me twitter and instagram at joseph scrimshaw and then the last thing i'll plug is if you're listening to this podcast uh on the day that it comes out uh november 3rd and you're in america i think voting's great
4: <laughs> voting is a good thing <laughs>
0: i think you know yeah having your voice heard using your power i like those things
4: those are good things uh to do as well and yeah uh um an important week uh, in, in the real world, so we thank you all for uh, listening to us uh, uh, during this time to get a little uh, Star Wars joy in your life. Uh, it is uh, always good to just uh, uh, have all areas of your life fire in and all cylinders. Get involved, get uh, get educated, uh, 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 get in there, vote. Like Joseph's uh, been saying, and, and I've been echoing, and also uh, enjoy uh, some little fun Star Wars too along
0: the way. Yeah.
4: So uh, that is it for this week. Uh, we will see you on Thursday and beyond uh, for Ray and Luke and all of the swashbuckling moments in Star Wars. We'll see you next time. This was Forsyth.